0: Let's continue in our study together today in a series of Be Strong, Winning the Fight of Our Life. Invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 6. We're going to read in just a moment, beginning in verse 13. This is week 6 in our series of Be Strong, kind of a series within a series. We started in the fall working our way through this letter of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in the Ephesus area, and then we come to chapter six of Ephesians in January, and this is our sixth week, to be looking at what it means to win the fight of our life. This series of messages deals a lot with spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, and we've talked a lot about uh, battles and armor and the enemy and victory and defeat. It's uh, the metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses for what we face in our spiritual lives. and We know that that is uh, very much true to what we experience day by day by day in our walk with Christ as we live out every day of our life. After spending several weeks talking about this subject, I think last Sunday, I was presented with one of the best questions I've ever been presented with outside of, uh, I, I guess a person could have said, uh, Pastor, what can I do to be saved this morning? That's, that's a great question. And after a preaching and somebody comes to you and asks that question, you think, it's been a great day You're good to lead somebody to Christ, but maybe the second best question uh, I could ever be asked was asked last Sunday after the 10.30 service. I've preached two services, getting ready to close out the day. I'm standing here at the front, and a senior adult couple are walking in my direction. I can tell they have something on their mind. I know that they've been visiting here for several weeks, and I greet them, and i uh, the wife of that couple looks at me and she said, Well, I said, Yes, yes, ma'am. She said, I got one question. I said, I kind of braced myself and I said, All right, let me hear it. She said, I wanna know, how do you join up with this army? <laughs> and I was like, hey man, I mean that's just like that doesn't get any better than that. And two things happened. In that, and it's such a great question. Number one, it encouraged me, and number two, it reminded me. I thought about it a lot through the afternoon, and uh, it it encouraged me because I thought, here's a here's a family and and visiting our church and listening to the messages and responding to the messages and they're coming. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this army. I want to be a part of what God's doing. And I was excited to just share with them. I said, there, there's a way. There is a, there is a way you can officially join up with this army. And I, I told them about membership class that's coming up February 27th. And I'm saying it to you this morning. If you want to join up with this army, uh, just go to watkinsville.org and look for a membership. And there's a place for you to sign up. And and uh, <laughs> and I, I I was talking to this couple, and she said, well, I don't do email, and I, I can call you. And, uh, and so we got numbers, and, uh, but um, I, I was just encouraged by that. But I was also reminded of something, and I was reminded of the fact when she said, how do I join up with this army, that this spiritual warfare that we're talking about is not isolated to Individuals. We are in this together. An army is not one person. And even though we're talking about clothing ourselves in the armor of God, we need to be reminded that this letter was not written to an individual about putting on his armor. This letter ultimately was written to a group of believers. The Apostle Paul says, you're going to be in a spiritual battle and you need to put on the armor of God. And it does take you as an individual this morning making a decision and making a choice that I'm going to walk daily with the spiritual armor on, but also corporately we do that as individuals because we're a part of an army, we're part of a family, we're part of a group of believers, we are the body of Christ where Jesus is the head. And, and we, we need to see the corporate nature of us as a body being prepared for the battle that comes at us. And it's timely for where we are in this study because the piece of armor that we're adding to our wardrobe carries with it an element of fighting this battle together in a way that few other pieces of the armor does. And I want to call this particular message in this series, Shielded Together. Shielded Together. Let's look at Ephesians 6. I pick up in verse 13 for context and read down through verse 16. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And we stop there. Our goal is to stand. The goal is to be standing after the battle comes, but it's also a goal to be standing when the battle comes. It's an opportunity here in this 9 o'clock service, very practical for us to continue to be prepared, for whatever battle the enemy would bring in our way, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling, that we would stand firm in our walk with Christ. This metaphor, the soldier's army, we keep adding to the pieces of the armor. The particular context here speaks of our enemy being the devil, his character, his ways to seeking to deceive us, to devour us. To knock us down. And this particular verses remind us that no single piece of spiritual armor is enough. We need the whole armor of God. We're wholehearted followers of Christ that need the whole armor of God to fight the enemy. We need the belt made of truth. We, we, We need the breastplate made of righteousness. We need the shoes made of readiness in the gospel. And today we see that we need a shield made of faith. Last week when we talked about the boots or shoes of readiness, we said that those shoes of readiness describe us having a ready confidence in who we are in Christ. When the enemy comes against us, We know that who we are in Christ are people that used to be dead in our sin. We know now because of Christ that we're people who are alive in Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been justified. We have the righteousness of Christ credited to our account. That's how we stand ready when the enemy attacks. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's a ready confidence in who we are in Christ. Now, when we add this morning the shield of faith, we're talking about a ready confidence. Not in who we are in Christ. We wear that. But to add the shield of faith means that we have this ready confidence in who God is. Being ready in the gospel of peace means that we know who we are because of what Jesus has done Having the shield of faith means that we have this ready confidence in who God is, what he has done, and what he says he will do. And so today when we walk away from this hour, the hope is is that we would be better equipped for the battle, having taken on this shield of faith, understanding what it is, and adding it to our wardrobe. Now when we speak about faith, it's like righteousness. There's a couple of different kinds we talked about righteousness and there being a positional righteousness it's Christ crediting to our account his righteousness so that we can stand before God justified there's also this practical righteousness of every day of us living rightly of choosing to obey God and obey the commands of Christ that's Practical righteousness of just more and more, day by day by day, bringing in line our practical righteousness with our positional righteousness. With faith, I think God's Word teaches us about two kinds of faith. There's saving faith and there's living faith. There's saving faith that ushers us into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there's living faith that is the fruit of having that faith it's the everyday living out of our salvation saving faith there's no need for us to talk about winning the battle of our life if saving faith is not settled in your heart and it's true that we can come for weeks upon weeks or years upon years and be exposed to some kind of Christian environment like this but yet, not have a saving faith. It was true for me growing up in church until my junior year of college. It was true for my dad, well into his 40s, having been a leader in the church and a deacon in the church, that he literally had a man in the mirror experience shaving one morning where he realized you've never trusted Jesus alone for your salvation. And today, some of you could be sitting here just like that with a lot of church experience, but having never been saved. The Bible says to us in Ephesians 2, 89, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's not by works. John three sixteen. we know it by heart, but do we believe it in our hearts? For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave his only Son, his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. Have you believed? Do you have saving faith? And sitting on brown chairs in a worship center this morning, your eternity could be changed. Or you could call out to him, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe you died for me and you rose again. Would you save me today? And it would happen right now. Not 30 minutes from now, the invitation, not this afternoon, but right now. In Romans 4.22, speaking about Abraham's faith in the Old Testament, it said that his belief in God was credited to him as righteousness. And today, your belief in Jesus Christ dying for you, paying for your sins, rising again, overcoming sin and and the grave, God would credit to your life and your heart righteousness and you would be eternally saved. From that comes living faith. It's not a full stop there where now I've got Saving faith, I go on about my life. It's at that point of having saving faith that we begin to live out our faith. And that's the actual word that's spoken of here in Ephesians. When he says take up the shield of faith, he's writing to believers saying that you need what you believe about who God is, what he said, what he'll do, what he's done, and you use that as the shield against the things that the enemy brings toward you living faith is is when we you say well how, how do you how do you know it's that kind of faith he's talking about well when he says in all circumstances take up the shield of faith just look at the words there and and it's not take up the shield of the faith in other passages of scripture if you Look through the Greek language. There's this article, the, that stands in front of words that speaks of a very specific kind. And this, it is faith. It is take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of believing. Take up the shield of, of, of confidence. This living faith is a reliance on, it's you trusting in, it's having confidence in, it is belief. Listen. It is belief that God keeps his word. That's what it is. And when the enemy comes and he lies or he accuses or he tempts or he lures or he baits, he offers something else, some other kind of life, we. We come against that with a shield of reliance on God, trusting in God, confidence in God, believing that what God has said is far more true than what the enemy says. Saving faith is in a person. Saving faith is not in a list of rules. Saving faith is not in a a, a list of precepts or principles. Uh, Saving faith is in a person. That's what distinguishes Christianity from other religions. We're not keeping a list of five things or a list of 12 rules. What we're doing is believing in a person that died to pay for our sin and that we can have life because his life comes to live in us. It's faith in a person. Living faith is in a person's character. It's not just belief for belief's sake. We we need to be very careful. That somebody says, "Well, I have my faith. Faith in what? Well, just my belief. I, I just I'm just holding on. What do you believe? I believe it's going to work out. Based on what? Well, just a lot of things have worked out. A, a belief in who? Well, me. I, I'm just believing. Listen, that's not. Saving faith, and that's not living faith. Saving faith is faith in a person. Living faith is in a person's character. And to have living faith, we look at these words and they kind of, it just helps me to think about my confidence, my faith, my trust in this person of Jesus means that I believe in his promises, I believe in his power. I believe in his plans. I believe in his provision. I believe in his protection. I believe in his program. I I, I believe. I believe in what he said and what he can do and what he's done. That's living faith. And this faith is the answer that we have to go against the work of the enemy. Let's think about this picture that the Apostle Paul gives of a of a shield he says in all circumstances take up the shield of faith there are a couple of kinds of shields that Roman soldiers had there was a shield that was small and round that could be held with a hand but this particular word here is the word thurios and it is a word that described a full body shield Historians tell us that this particular shield that the Apostle Paul uses in the metaphor was a shield that would have been four feet tall and two and a half feet wide. Basically a door. And actually, the Greek word that the root word for this word is the word that's translated door. It's four feet wide, four feet tall, two and a half feet wide. The materials of this a uh, shield were very specific. They would have been made of layers of wood with linen in between those layers. They, over uh, overlaying the wood would have been uh, hides of animals, leather, and then the four foot by two and a half foot shield would have been banded with iron. And so you had these layers of wood and layers of linen covered over with leather, banded by. Iron and these door sized shields are are what the Apostle Paul refers to as our shield of faith. He says, You take up this shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Uh, You may have uh, another translation that says, Flaming arrows. These flaming darts, these flaming arrows would have been in the Apostle Paul's mind of the way the Romans would fight their enemies and the way the enemies would, would come against the Roman soldiers. And they would take these darts, spears, arrow-like uh, rods, and they would be dipped in pitch and then set on fire and launched toward the enemy. read about why those arrows were used and you might think, well, they would hit a soldier and kill them or damage them or hurt them, injure them upon impact. And then there would be fire that would set them on fire or burn them. Um, What I read in recent days about these flaming arrows was that the fire was not so much to injure their target as it was to set things on fire around them so that when a soldier when that fire was launched at them the soldiers around them would be distracted trying to put out the fires and it would give the enemy opportunity to advance against them are you alert this morning are you with me can you see what the enemy might do with that that he would attack and attack and attack, and like flaming arrows, we would spend our time putting out fires around us, which would allow the enemy to advance. And the opposition, the, the opposing factor would mean that God's kingdom would not advance. And what a story of churches today is the enemy launches his attacks, and we can get so caught up in the distractions around us from the enemy's attacks that we find ourselves useless in advancing the kingdom of God. And he says, here's what you need. You need a shield of faith. And the practical piece of this is that when those fiery darts would hit those wooden shields, he said, why, weren't the, why wasn't the shield, the whole shield made of iron? Certainly there could be a weight factor there, but the the goal was is that the flaming arrows would actually sink into the wood and the leather and the linen of that shield. And when it sunk into that shield, it would be extinguished. And the fire was put out. And there was nothing else to deal with. Reading about one particular soldier, a historian said that this soldier returned from battle and his shield had more than 200 extinguished arrows sticking out of it use your imagination okay stop this, I'm, The guy comes walking back with this shield and there's 200 spikes sticking out of it and you're like dude it's been a bad day for you <laughs> he's thinking no it's been a good day because I got a good shield and and and, I, and what a picture for us to be able to Maybe in in an essence, return home from our day. Return back on Sunday to come back with our shield of faith saying, yeah, the enemy shot at me. The enemy launched his attack at me. Those flaming arrows came, but because of my shield of faith, they were extinguished. And this would be a good point to call our attention to the number of times that the word all is used in this passage I underline some things I square some things I rectangle some things I've circled the word all in these verses and seven times I look down at my page and I see seven little circles this is verse 13 therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Where do we need our shield of faith? In all circumstances. It's like here's a shield, 360 degrees in every change of the day, in every change of the moment, not just for some situations, but in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, which with which you can extinguish what? Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all. With which you can extinguish what? All. Isn't it beautiful that it's not which you'll be able to stand up against most of the enemy's attacks. In 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 all circumstances. All the flaming darts of the evil one can be defeated by our shield of faith. These fiery darts, the enemy takes his shots on our minds, on our hearts. So many times we find ourselves and you say, where did that thought come from? Where did that desire come from? What is going on? I I thought I was here, but and it feels like I'm here. And the enemy seems so much to work in the area of our feelings. God's work against that is in the area of faith. He attacks takes shots at our mind. He takes shots at our hearts. That's why God's word says, above all else, guard your hearts. And The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our what, hearts. And these fiery darts, they, I just see them. They're like all the D-words. The enemy comes against us with doubt. He shoots those flaming darts of despair and discouragement. And deception, and in some cases, depression, and death, and division. And what God has given to us for doubt and deception and division and discouragement and depression and despair and death and even distraction is that He's given to us His power and His presence and His promises. His provision, his protection, his plans, his program. The enemy comes against us with doubt, and we read in God's word which says, "Not one of His good promises failed." He comes against us with a decept- with deception, and Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." He comes against us with division, and we remember the prayer of Jesus where He said, "I pray that they will be one." He comes against us with discouragement. And we remember God's word that says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. He comes against us with depression. and We remember Psalm 86, the prayer, which says, gladden the soul of your servant. He comes against us with despair. And we remember God's word that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And he comes at us. With death. And we remember God's word that says, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He comes at us with distraction. And we have his word that says, fix your eyes on Christ. Run the race that is set before you. We take up our shield of faith. As we think about this, all of those words, his power, his presence, his protection, his provision, his promises, his plans, his programs. There's one other word I want to say to you in closing that we need. And that is his people. For us to raise the shield of faith, we need his people. We need One another. We need to be shielded together. There's one piece that I left off that describes the shield that the Roman soldiers had layers of wood and linen and leather banded by iron, but on the edges of those shields were hooks. Look, if you will, down at your seat. Kind of put your hand, pull the cushion back. You feel in there. You know what those chairs have on them? You find it? Hooks. You know why those are there? So you won't fall out of the balcony. All those chairs are locked together to make rows, to give strength. Because that way, if one chair moves, the whole row moves. And these Roman shields that they had were big and huge. And an individual could hide behind that whole wall of that shield. But they also had... These hooks on the side, so that each of those shields could be locked together. And one of the most intimidating, one of the most in, in, intimidating facets of the Roman army was that their soldiers would lock their shields together. And when the enemy advanced, they would come against these columns and columns and columns and columns of rows of, of Roman soldiers, all linked together by their shields. And you had this picture of we're fighting this battle together. And it's this dynamic here in this putting on this spiritual armor where we need to remember we're not out here as individual soldiers isolated on an island fighting the enemy by ourselves. That's why we gather. That's why God's. It's why God's plan was for us to come together like this in corporate worship. Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In some ways what we're doing here in corporate worship is not just gathering In corporate worship we're locking in in corporate worship so that when I go out here and I'm fighting the enemy I know I got a brother or sister that's also fighting the enemy today and part of me standing against the enemy is what it's going to mean in that brother's life and in that sister's life I don't know if you've ever been a kid if you never played Red Rover and I, 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 that may be a long-gone game for recess. Too many phones to look at. Do you remember that game of Red Rover? And uh, when, when we chose up teams, it was always strategic in my early days of school that I was on the same team with Barton and Rodney because they were the two strongest guys in our class and I wanted, Bar- I wanted to be on the team with Bart and Rodney and you remember you, if you were really serious about Red Rover you didn't just hold hands and you put a hand up here and you locked arms and you braced and you said Red Rover, Red Rover, let Sheila come over <laughs> I don't know where that name came from I just, <laughs> that's hilarious to me <laughs> Sorry, Sheila, if you're in the room, I don't mean anything by it. <laughs> uh, it just tickled me. I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> uh, now I got a decision to make the second hour. Am I gonna use Sheila again? Uh, the things we have to think of. Um, but you, you just you just lock together. And when the when the enemy, the opposition, runs. If they break through, they get to take somebody back captive. But if you're locked together and you're strong, they run at you. And they don't break through. And you take them captive. And Friends, for you and I, the challenge before us is for us us to stay shielded together in our faith. Based on what God's Word says, I did an annual review with chairman of our church leadership team, chairman of deacons, and one other person this week, and, and they, they asked me. They said, "As you look out in the future, what's three goals?" And I said, "Here's the first one. First goal of my heart and mind is to be a shepherd that would lead our people, not to be distracted by minor league issues." There's so many things around us that can distract us and get us off the mark of linking together in the good news of Jesus Christ, our need to encourage and strengthen one another, walking in obedience to Scripture, sharing the good news of the gospel with our community and the nations, waiting for His return, loving others and serving others. We we, we just... Let's link together in our faith listen don't isolate yourself don't give up on your small group don't give up on your class don't give up on Sunday morning worship don't give up on your men's group don't let the enemy lie to you and say I can do it on my own it's the medicine you need to be strong it's the medicine that you can't do without you need to join up with this army. You need to be a part of this family. We need to move together as a column of faith against the enemy. And God give us wisdom to know what that looks like and how to do that. And let's set our mind on that. Lord Jesus, today, I pray that in all circumstances, that all people in this room, would be shielded together so that we can by your power and by your strength quench all the flaming arrows of the enemy and let us settle for nothing less in Jesus name Amen